Welcome to First United Methodist Church. We hope our sermon broadcast will bless you. Matthew chapter 3 and it's verses 13 through 17. And it's from the message by Eugene Peterson, his version. Jesus then appeared, arriving at the Jordan River from Galilee. He wanted John to baptize him. John objected. I'm the one who needs to be baptized, not you. But Jesus insisted, do it. God's work, putting things right all these centuries, is coming together right now in this baptism. So John did it. The moment Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened up and he saw God's spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him. And along with the spirit, a voice. This is my son, chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In the midst of the mountains, at the edge of a crystal sea, there was a pleasant valley full of life and beauty. Rich, dark soil gave life to conifers and towering shade trees which swayed peacefully in a gentle breeze that came out of the north. Fruit trees and ornamentals blossomed with immeasurable color and beauty along the peaceful flowing river of cool, clear water where fish played amongst the stones and geese glid gracefully by. The creatures of every kind, both great and small, roamed freely upon the land, living in balance and harmony. Deer and rabbit played along the trees and grasses, while squirrels and birds of every kind and color watched from their homes among the branches. And high above it all, an eagle soared. There were humans there as well, living simply and as one with the land and each other. Their days were spent working together, planting and harvesting only what they needed for their sustentation. When the work of each day was done and the sun climbed high in the sky, they would eat and rest, and then come together again to dance and to play. And as day wore on into evening, they would share a common meal, and then sit around the fire telling stories and singing songs. And then one day an outsider came to the pleasant valley. The people welcomed him with hospitality and grace, sharing their food and their humble homes. And when he went to the river, they walked with him and watched with fascination. As he pulled a metal pan from his bag and began to shift the sand of the bottom of the river, Eureka! he cried as he held up a stone that glittered in the light. Your valley is rich beyond measure. You'll soon be wealthy beyond your wildest dreams. The people smiled a curious smile and wondering at what the meaning of its words were asked or, or said, we're wealthy already. What more could we want? And the visitor laughed and said, oh, just wait, you'll see. And with that, he left the pleasant valley. But in short order, the visitor returned, this time not alone. Others came with him to search and survey the land, and then came the large, noisy machinery that belched acrid smoke as it tore into the land. Trees and shrubs were ripped from the ground, piled high, and set afire. 
Birds and animals fled to higher ground, filled with fear, and the people watched in shocked dismay as a dark, lifeless gloom slowly enveloped their land. In time, the water grew foul. Crops and vegetation began to wither, and the people themselves seemed slowly transformed into shallow, heartless beings. No longer did they dance and play together, but argued and hurt one another over the smallest of things. And in spite of new, much bigger homes filled with elaborate furnishings and marvels of technologies, their spirits grew poor. It was as if they were losing their souls, losing their very selves. And then one day, the strangers said they were leaving because there was nothing left to take. And with the sound of the machinery finally gone, the people could hear nothing but silence and emptiness. And the valley was now nearly lifeless except for them. And then for the first time in what seemed like ages, it began to rain, long and hard for days on end. No one knows how long it rained and no one knows how many years passed, but ever so slowly, Almost imperceptibly, the land began to reclaim itself. Grasses took root and began to spread. Shrubs and trees sprang forth and began reaching to the sky. The air slowly took on the sweet smell of spring flowers again, and the river water cleared. The animals, too, started to return and multiply, and the people themselves made peace and began to reclaim themselves once again, bearing the fruits of love and community. And then one day they decided to gather together to share a meal, as they'd been told their ancestors had done before them. They paused and offered a word of thanks to the Creator, and just as the prayer concluded, they heard the eagle cry, and they were filled once again with wonder and awe. Baptism is about the work of reclamation, God's reclamation of us. It's about God and Christ coming to us to reclaim and restore ourselves and allow ourselves to be reclaimed and restored by our creator God. It's about reclaiming and restoring the landscape of our souls to the image and beauty in which they were first created. I don't know if you've noticed But life in this world has a way of fouling our inner beauty. Call it sin, call it vice or depravity, call it our fallen state or whatever other words you might want to use. From Genesis to the Psalms to the Gospels and Revelation, our story is a story in part of paradise lost. God created us and set us in a peaceful valley to live in harmony, but that peace and harmony was shaken almost from the beginning, and that glorious beauty all too often lost. You can blame it on the devil, you can blame it on humanity, you can blame it on whatever you want, but in the end, it isn't blame and fault-finding that matters most. What matters most is the inner desire to be renewed and restored back to the image in which we were created. 
Just as we now struggle to restore the land when we've fouled it with strip mines and clear-cutting, just as we are learning the astronomical costs of polluting and fouling the earth we depend on for our very lives. So we, who were made from the earth, must also reclaim the inner landscape of our spirits. God's desire for us is and always has been a life of beauty and wonder and peace. There is much that gets in the way of that kind of living. There are things that happen to us that tear into the ground of our being. Things we do to ourselves, things we do to others, things that are toxic and poisonous and deadly. But we are never, ever beyond the recreating, life-restoring power of God's reclamation plan. In the gospel, we hear once again the story of Jesus' baptism as we did last week. That pure, innocent child whose birth we celebrated just weeks ago has grown now to adulthood and comes to the river to be washed in baptismal waters by John. Theologically, the church has long said baptism wasn't necessary for Jesus because he was sinless, but that he did so in order to fulfill his identity as one of us, as a part of the human family. I don't disagree with that theology, but I might expand it to say that even in his perfection, that simply by living as one of us in this world, Jesus experienced and was touched by the hurts and pains of our human lives. He knew betrayal and taunting and vindictiveness and disappointment as much, if not more, than any of us. So even for Jesus, there is ascension which baptism was a necessary time of renewal and restoration before beginning his formal ministry of love. In the sacrament of baptism, we symbolically recognize God's desire to restore and refresh within us the very image God planted in us when we were created. God sends down gentle waters to begin washing away that which has polluted our souls and destroyed us and that which robs us of an abundant life with God as God has always wanted. So whatever it is, whatever it is that keeps you from rejoicing in wonder and beauty in this life, whatever it is that digs at your soul and drags down your being, the baptismal font is the place where God meets us yet again, and offers to wash all of it away, to recreate the garden, if you will, in that moment, and remind us who we are and whose we are. This is the font of God's blessing, and in the end, it isn't found only in the church. It can also be found in the sanctuary of our souls, because the image, power, and glory of God's life with us can never be destroyed. It is still there within each of us, longing to burst forth into new life. So when we turn ourselves over to God, when we renew our relationship with our Creator, to use the words of Paul, we put on the new self, or perhaps the renewed self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its Creator. Finally, baptism is our acknowledgement that we cannot save or renew ourselves 
but are always in need of the creative and recreative power of God, who Titus says, saves us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saves us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. When we come to the font of God's blessing, whether to be baptized for the first time or to renew our baptismal promises for the hundredth, it is our prayer, our hope, our dream, our deepest desire that God will send the Spirit to recreate, reclaim, and restore us and to fill us once again with abundant life in the Spirit. As we come this day to touch the waters and re- reclaim our baptism, may the Spirit touch and guide us in finding, reclaiming, and dwelling within the wonder of God's goodness and grace. May we also delight in finding the way to that peaceful valley God wants and wills for each of us and indeed for the whole human family. Amen. So I invite you to open your second bulletin, we might call it, as we join in renewing our baptismal covenant. We have come to worship and renew our baptismal covenant in the living water of God's loving grace. Spring of a well within our souls. In our dry and arid places, may the waters of baptism refresh us, stir up inside us, renew and restore us living waters. The baptism of the Ethiopian official of Candace, sovereign queen of Ethiopia, reminds us of our connection to both the first church and the eternal well that never runs dry. Burst forth within us, overflow and saturate the stagnant areas of our lives. Reconnect us to you, our one true source. Let us remember our baptism and be thankful. Take us to the waters. Let us renew our baptismal vows. How often we forget or neglect our baptismal covenant and vows. Teach us to live like those who have accepted the obligations and responsibilities of baptized believers. Let us pray. Covenant God, you have made us your people and gave your son Jesus as a pledge of your love. It was by his sacrifice that we were baptized into relationship with you, that we too often make trivial both his sacrifice and the living waters which symbolize our entry into the church. Forgive us our sins. Restore us to harmony with you, we pray. Amen. Truly, God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who will give God reverence and do no harm is acceptable. Thanks be to God. Jesus was the suffering servant chosen by God, born of Mary, and baptized by John. The Holy Spirit rested upon him, and God spoke from the heavens, for baptism is a family affair. Through the baptism ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus, justice has been seen by every nation. He never resorted to violence but worked faithfully to model and teach justice and equality. His spirit is alive in us today. We cannot grow faint. We will not be crushed. 
God's reign will be established throughout the earth. The Lord of hosts, creator of heaven and earth, has called us to right living, taken us by our feeble hands, given strength to our knees, and kept us to this day. You are a covenant, a light, the vision to captives and prisoners still enslaved. Steadfast is our God. We offer God praise and glory for the promises of God are faithful and true. The Lord strengthens us and blesses us with shalom. Those who have previously been baptized are invited to come now as you are comfortable. We will be singing Jesus Calls Us during this time as people come forward. <laughs> 